Lord, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, the glory of Christ our single concern. Amen. Our scripture text for this morning comes from Luke 4. If you have your Bibles with you or you want to grab a pew Bible, I encourage you to open it there. Luke 4, we'll focus on verses 14 to 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Do as I say, not as I do. This is the bad advice that Pastor Brandon encouraged us last week to avoid in our lives of discipleship, in all areas of our lives, really. Rather, we must not only talk the talk, but also walk the walk. That is, the actions of our daily living must reflect what we say we believe. What we do with our daily lives, every part of our lives, is fundamental to our witness to God's kingdom. We can't just talk the talk. We must also walk the walk. Because if you recall from two weeks ago, Scripture tells us three ways that the Holy Spirit works through us to give witness to the kingdom of God. Number two is saying the witness. This is talking the talk. This is what we sometimes first go to when we think of the term evangelism. This is talking the talk, using our words to explain the good news of God's reconciling love and redemption through Jesus Christ and all that that entails. We're going to move to this part next week. Number three, if you remember, is doing the witness. This is our focus for today. This is walking the walk. This is doing acts of compassion and mercy and justice that give witness to God's kingdom and Jesus Christ. These acts give witness to God's intentions for all of creation. These acts give a foretaste of what life will be like in the new creation when Christ returns. And these two are built upon the first component, which is the very foundation, which is being the witness. Being the witness, if you recall, is being the sort of people who reflect God to the world. It means being a community of love. As Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. And love, according to the New Testament, Jesus' words, it isn't just a warm, fuzzy emotion. No love, to agape love, it is to will the good of another and to demonstrate that in action. To love is to act. That, my friends, naturally leads us into doing the witness, to acting for the good of others. And when we look at the life and teachings of Jesus, we see that those others that God calls us to love are not just those in our own families or our own local church body or our just small group of friends, but all others. And in the Gospels, we see that Jesus especially calls us to care for those who are most vulnerable in our world. Here again, these words of Jesus' very first sermon. Luke 4 is his first sermon, and in this first sermon, he is summarizing his mission. It's a mission statement, if you notice, of action. It is action to will the good of others. Jesus said, hear it again, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, when we hear Luke 4, there are two opposite extremes that we can go to in interpreting this. My chances are you've heard both extremes. Perhaps you have lived or thought both extremes at some point in your life. I know I certainly have. It's easy to go to one side or the other. So listen to these two extremes that we can, we can jump to in interpreting this. One extreme is to interpret Jesus' words here in Luke 4 as being only spiritual. That in this statement, Jesus is only referring to those who are poor in spirit, only to those who are captive spiritually, only those who are spiritually blind, only those who are spiritually oppressed. That's one extreme. The other extreme is to interpret Jesus' words as only physical, that Jesus is only talking about those who are physically poor, only physically captive, only physically blind, only physically oppressed. That's the other extreme. But friends, when we look at the life and teachings of Jesus, it's clear that Jesus doesn't choose one or the other extreme. It's not either or, it's both and. When we look at Jesus' life, we see examples of Jesus living this out. Jesus comes to bring good news to those who are poor in spirit, as well as those who don't have enough money to feed their children. Jesus comes to proclaim release to those who are held captive by demons of spiritual oppression, as well as those held captive by political and societal oppression. During Jesus' ministry, he opened the eyes of those who were spiritually blind so that they may see him as Lord, and he opened the eyes of those who were physically blind. In Jesus' life, it wasn't either or. It was both and. Both body and soul the life to come and life now, word and deed, not either or, both and. 
This both and, it's, it's so evident once you pay attention to it in the Gospels. When you follow Jesus' life, you can't miss it. So if you have your Bible open to Luke 4 already, I encourage you just to skim with me over what Jesus does right after this opening sermon. So, just in one little section of scripture already in Luke 4, then Jesus, verse 31, then Jesus went down to Capernaum and on the Sabbath day began to teach the people. Then in the synagogue, Jesus heals a man oppressed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus goes on to heal various kinds of physical sickness. Then, verse 44, Jesus kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Did you catch it? Teaching, healing, healing, preaching, body, spirit, word, deed, not either or, both, and. So this makes sense when you just think about your daily life. Just think about the relationships you have in your life. So if you have a child, you know you don't just tell your child you love them and then neglect to feed them or clothe them or help them when they get hurt. No, we, we know from our own experiences that our words and our deeds must go together. We love holistically. We can't just talk the talk and not walk the walk, right? You get it, don't you? We get that. So we have a really great example of this in the realm of evangelism, since we are in this topic, this sermon series on evangelism and outreach. So we have a really great contemporary example in the person of Billy Graham. Anyone ever heard of a man named Billy Graham? Anyone? A couple. A couple of you have. So Billy Graham, he he passed away this past year, and there's been a lot of focus on his life and ministry. He's been hailed by many as the greatest evangelist of the past century. So he carries this title, Master Evangelist. When you think of Billy Graham, what do you usually think of? Anyone, what do you think of? His, his, His preaching, right? He, was, he would uh, draw in these big crowds and give this dynamic f- performance, and he'd use lots of words, lots of words about forgiveness and new life in Christ, words about God's kingdom that offers freedom from captivity and oppression of all kinds. And so many people offered that freedom, accepted it, came into God's kingdom, and experienced the freedom he was preaching about through his words. It was powerful. But do you know something else about Billy's life, his, his actions? Do you know much of what he was involved in through his daily life and his organization? His tangible actions, they gave witness to the things that he was saying. You see, Billy knew that he couldn't just preach one thing and live another. That would make him a, a hypocrite. And people wouldn't perceive the news that he was telling as good news at all. He couldn't talk one talk and walk a completely different walk. That would negate his message. So Graham, he took Jesus seriously. And Jesus' words and actions showed that Jesus came to bring release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free for spirit and body. This led Graham to do some things that were really radical in his day. Spirit's showing up, telling me something else to say. Just kidding. (laughs) So in the early 1950s, if any of you lived through the 1950s, you can understand 
how uh, kind of radical this was. Billy Graham went on preaching tours all around the United States. You know the climate of the United States in the 1950s regarding race? Pretty heated, right? So he goes to the South, and he has actual government orders that all of his gatherings have to be racially segregated. So this is an order. All his Christian brothers and sisters in the South are saying, this is what you've got to do. This is the only way we'll come. But Billy Graham, he studied the scriptures, and he said, I can't do that. I see my African-American brothers and sisters being unjustly oppressed, physically, socially, economically, and this is not God's will. Jesus came to bring release to the captives, release to those who are oppressed, and this includes this situation. So, so you know what Graham did? He defied these orders that he had from governors, and he had integrated meetings in the heart of Mississippi. I know, right? Yeah. He also, he would go to a place and his team would set up these barricades where it said whites on this side, blacks on this side, and they would set up these barricades and said, this is the only way you're going to do it. And he would go down himself and remove barricades one by one. Before he would ever step foot on that platform, he would physically take the barricades away and says, this is the only way I'm doing it. It didn't stop there. As Graham started traveling internationally, he became increasingly aware of injustices around the world, so he and his entire staff got personally involved. He fought apartheid in South Africa. He made disaster relief in impoverished countries a permanent part of his organization's mission. This is what one historian wrote of Graham. Traveling the world helped convince Graham that an evangelist has a broader set of responsibilities than merely preaching. An evangelist has a broader set of responsibilities than merely preaching. Friends, that's our call, too. We can't just talk the talk of Jesus. We must also walk the walk of Jesus. We can't just talk about Luke 4 and Jesus' ministry and not act in ways that are in line with that ministry, that ministry of relieving oppression and injustice in all its various forms. We can't just talk the talk. We must also walk the walk. Now, I'll tell you that it wasn't always easy for Graham we got some woohoos when we told about this, this story of what he did. And most of us today are, are happy about that, right? Because he gave witness in great ways through his actions. But it wasn't always easy for him. People called him all sorts of names, picketed, wrote all sorts of hate mail, and said, Billy, just preach the gospel. Stick to just preaching the gospel. Which he would reply, I, I can't just say I have to do do as well. Friends, that's our call. We can't just say we have to do. If we say one thing and then do another, our words fall flat. So spreading the good news of the kingdom of God, it must include both word and deed. Both and word and deed. Now, if you've noticed during this series, we've talked a lot about the kingdom of God. Have you noticed that? Kingdom of God. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God. So evangelism and outreach, they are intended to give witness to the kingdom of God. 
So it's important to take a minute to talk about the kingdom. It's especially helpful in this section of doing the witness because there's been a lot of confusion in Christian circles about just how our actions of mercy and compassion and justice, how they relate to the kingdom of God. What, what is the connection there? So here's a really brief explanation. If the kingdom of God could be summarized, it would be this. Take a mental note, jot it down if you want. The kingdom of God could be summarized, it's this. It's the reign of Jesus. Kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus. The kingdom of God is what life is like when Jesus is Lord, when Jesus is ruling. It is a spiritual reality that has physical manifestations. It is a spiritual reality that has real, tangible, physical manifestations. The kingdom of God is the reign of Jesus. And when Jesus reigns, my friends, life is as God intended. When Jesus reigns, as we saw in his life and ministry on earth, all evil and its effects are defeated. When Jesus reigns, there's shalom and flourishing, peace with God, others, the created order. When Jesus reigns, sin and brokenness of all kinds are no more. Now here's the paradox. Perhaps you've heard this term before. The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Here's the paradox. Jesus is already reigning Jesus is king, my friends. Jesus is sitting on the throne, reigning right now. Jesus is Lord. The kingdom is already. Jesus has already come to the earth and conquered evil of every kind through the cross and resurrection. We know the end of the story. Jesus wins, right? Jesus is Lord. And yet there's this paradox that the kingdom is not yet, we know that, right, here on earth. It's not complete because evil and its effects still linger. Evil lingers in our hearts, in our families, in our churches, in our politics, in every sphere of life, evil and its effects still linger. Because not all of us submit to Jesus as Lord even those of us who are Christians don't always submit every area of our lives to Jesus as Lord. And the effects of all of this not submitting to the Lord has just spiraled into all the, the messes that we have. There, there's a lot of messes because of this not submitting to Jesus as Lord. But friends, that's not how it's going to be forever. And that is our Christian hope, that one day Christ is going to return and usher in a new heaven and a new earth where evil will be gone forever. Amen? We look forward to that new creation where Christ reigns in full, where life is as God intended, no more evil, no more pain or sorrow, no more hunger, no more disease, no more abuse, poverty, injustice, oppression. In God's kingdom, there is peace and abundant life eternal. That is our Christian hope, that one day Christ will reign in full. And that, my friends, is what we give witness to. We act in ways that give a glimpse 
to people in the world of what life is like when Jesus reigns. What life is like when evil and injustices and all sorts of pain and brokenness and sorrow are conquered when Jesus is Lord. That is what our actions give witness to. So here's where some of the confusion comes in for people in regard to talk about the kingdom of God and doing acts of compassion and mercy and justice. Perhaps you've been confused by this. Perhaps you've heard people battling about this. So one, it, it ties with the, uh, the extremes we talked about before. One extreme is that some have mistakenly said that you and I build the kingdom ourselves on earth. That you and I, by our own efforts, we can create God's utopia on earth. If only we did X, Y, and Z, then all the world's problems would be solved. We, by our efforts, can usher in the kingdom of God. This is often a a youthful uh, mistake because we're still gung-ho about what we can do in the world. Those of you who have lived a lot of years realize you try to do something good and you create something bad, and <laughs> it's all just really complicated. It, it underestimates the, the sin in our lives and the brokenness in our world that even no matter how hard we try, there's still going to be some effects. We can't do it on our own. So get this, whenever Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God, he uses two verbs, never build, never build, it's not something we do, The verbs he uses are enter and receive. We don't achieve the kingdom. We receive it and enter it. It is a gift of grace. We receive and enter the kingdom. It is a gift of grace. It is God's kingdom. God builds it. So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is to say that the kingdom of God is only spiritual, that it doesn't pertain to circumstances of this life at all. That is, as long as I confess Jesus as Lord so that I can get into heaven later, it doesn't matter how I live my life now. But that is such a far cry from Jesus' call to profess Jesus as Lord of all part of our lives. To live as a citizen of the kingdom of God is to submit every part of our lives to Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord of our attitudes towards others. Jesus as Lord of our finances. Jesus as Lord of the way we spend our time. Lord of all. Not just later, but now. When Jesus is Lord, his mission becomes our mission. Luke 4 becomes our mission statement too. And that, I believe, is why Billy Graham was so successful in the long run. He not only invited people to enter and receive God's kingdom through Jesus, forgiveness of sins, new life in Christ, he also showed them what new life in Christ is like. He gave a glimpse of the realities of the kingdom. It's a life in which all people are cared for, where people can receive healing of all kinds, where societal and political oppression are not permitted. Because remember for Jesus, it's not either or, it's both and. It's word and deed, it's body and soul, it's talk and walk. Okay, so some of you are thinking, enough talk, 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 more walk, walk, walk. What does this look like for us practically, right? 
I'm trying to lay the foundation for you to understand why this is so important and where we see Jesus living it out. But now let's get practical about our walk. What does it look like to give witness to God's kingdom through our actions? What does it look like to walk out Luke 4? To get our imaginations rolling, because there are a lot of ways we can do this, I'm going to get our imaginations rolling by giving a few examples of the way that the early church lived this out. These early Christians, though, they they are the people who actually walked and talked with Jesus himself. And then after Jesus is gone, they continue his ministry. And these are some of the things that they um, feel the Spirit of Christ leading them to do because of Jesus' example. So first, in in Acts 2, the early church moves to share a common purse. That is, they shared all their finances. Crazy, huh? They put all of it in a pot, shared all of it together. In this way, they were given to God's kingdom realities in which everyone has enough. This was a witness in the first century Roman Empire where there were huge injustices, where some really, really rich were getting rich and rich and richer, and the really, really poor, no matter how hard they tried, were starving to death. This was a reality in the first century. And so the early Christians, they said, that is not God's kingdom purposes. God's kingdom is that everyone has enough. So they shared a common purse, so that everyone would have enough. So that's one way they gave a witness. We also learned through history that the early church uh, quickly acted to develop orphanages and to speak out against a common practice then, which was to leave babies on the street to die. It sounds really cruel today, doesn't it? But it was totally normal practice. You didn't want your child, you just left them on the street and they would die because of exposure to the elements. So it was really radical for the early church to say that's, that's not okay. Because they believed that every life is important, no matter age or ability. So they took in those children, and they spoke out against that. The early church also spoke out against the rampant violence in the Roman Empire, including violence for entertainment. Sometimes, perhaps you've seen movies of this, where they would gather in the Roman Colosseum and, and kill people for entertainment. This was common practice. And Christians said, that's, that's not according to God's kingdom plans, this killing of people um, for no reason. So they spoke out against that. As years passed, it was Christians who gave witness against racial and economic injustices by starting hospitals and schools to provide medical care and education to all people, regardless of social class or ethnicity. That wasn't a thing back then. That was Christians, my friends. That was the spirit of Christ living out these Christian principles. So it was in all of these ways and more that the Spirit worked through the church to give witness to God's kingdom principles, not only in their talk, but also in their walk. It was in these ways that the church gave witness to what it looks like when Jesus reigns as Lord, destroying evil, healing brokenness of all kinds, not just in our lives, but in our social structures and our world at large. So I gave these examples from the early church in order to get our imaginations rolling about what what could happen. Their context is different from ours, and the way the Spirit moves is going to be different for each context. Some things are similar. Some things are different. 
So today, what are ways today that the Spirit wants to work through us to live out Luke 4? Well, in the first, like, six drafts of this sermon, I did a lot of drafts of this sermon, (laughs) I gave a lot of different examples of ways that I've seen Christians living out Luke 4. But I'm not going to list all of those examples for you. One reason is that we would be here forever, and I think some of you have plans this afternoon. (laughs) So we're not going to list them all out, but you can find them. You can find them in the inserts in our bulletin, like one from last week. You can read the RCA today. You can um, go on the RCA website. You can see all sorts of ways that individuals and churches collectively are living this out. Second reason I'm not going to list all of these for you is that I don't want to stifle your imaginations. Sometimes when you give an example, people feel like, oh, that is exactly what I have to do. Like the the newspaper article a couple weeks ago, Jake Kaiser gave me of a couple that adopted 30 children from around the world. Yeah, they had special needs of all sorts, seven of their own and then 30 others. And if I give you that example, some of you get like this guilt radar, radar like, oh my gosh, maybe I should adopt 30 children. But my house isn't big enough, and I am not good with toddlers. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to give you the examples because I don't want to stifle your imagination. Because God has given you specific gifts. He's given you specific passions. Not everyone's example is going to fit to your life. So I want you to pray to ask God what giftings and passions he has put in your life. The other reason is that there are so many areas of brokenness in our world. There are so many places of injustice and oppression and sickness and poverty of all kinds. If I were to list them all for you this morning, again, we would be here a really long time. Two, you would be really depressed, (laughs) right? The fact is we can't tackle all of them. We don't build the kingdom by doing all of the things. Christ reigns. His kingdom isn't in trouble, so relax. But God does call us to act. Act in ways that we can with what God has given us. So this morning, I'm I'm not just going to leave you wondering. I am going to leave you some practical steps to take this week in order to discern how God might be leading you to live out Luke 4. Pray. Number one, pray. If you have a pencil and paper, this would be a good time to jot these down so you can return to them this week. Remember, we're not just listening. We're not just doing words. We're doing action. So, so don't just, don't just hear my words and not act on it. Write them down. Do what you need to do to act on it. So pray, like really pray. Ask God to make it evident to you how he wants to act through you. We celebrated last week the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and active, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Pray. Ask God to reveal it to you. It might not be instantaneous. It might be over weeks or months, but pray. Keep praying. So second, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged about the ways that you are already doing the witness. Because again, when we hear messages like this, some of us get, feel really guilty, like, like I'm not doing enough. And some of you are already doing a lot. There's Kids Hope, the Hershey Backpack Program, supportive global and local mission organizations, fundraisers, and so much else that you all do as small groups, families, individuals. And I want you to be encouraged 
be encouraged that these are really important. Sometimes you might not always see the effects, but they do have effects more than you might ever know. Those early Christians probably didn't know that their practices of starting orphanages would lead to a culture today, right, where we see that practice is totally unacceptable to leave babies outside. That was Christians. 2,000 some years later, we're like, yeah, that's had really good effects. They didn't feel it then. Um, but be encouraged. Your actions that you are doing have impact. So be encouraged and keep on keeping on with what you're already doing. Third, pay attention to the brokenness in our world. It can be really easy to just try to tune things out. Turn on our, our movies or go to our iPhones or um, do whatever else we can to constantly entertain ourselves to avoid the brokenness of the world. But friends, that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't put on blinders. He goes to the people who are hurting. And when they come to him, he opens himself up to hear their stories, to offer healing of all kinds. He moves towards those that no one else would pay attention to. That's what we're called to as well. We're especially called to listen to voices of those on the margins, those who have been put down by injustice and oppression, so we can't hear their voices. We haven't heard their voices. Their stories are hard, but we have to listen in order to know how Jesus is moving to live into Luke 4 for their lives. Finally, this is the last one. Pay attention to your own life. Pay attention to your actions. What do your daily actions say about who is Lord? If someone were to watch the ways you spend your money, your time, your energy, what consumes your thoughts, who do you speak to, how do you speak to them, who would they say is master of your life? If you have the guts, I encourage you to ask someone who knows you really well. Ask them what they see your actions speaking. Sometimes we can have blinders on about our own um, areas of growth. So ask someone. And then when your eyes are opened, because Jesus says he opens the eyes of the blind, opens your eyes to see these realities, ask Christ to reign in those areas where Jesus is not your Lord. Not, we, we are in the kingdom. Jesus is our, our Lord. But the ways that we're not living into Jesus as Lord. Ways that we are not living as kingdom of God citizens. Ways that we are not giving witness to the kingdom of God, but rather kingdoms of this world. There are so many kingdoms at play in this world that we can give our allegiance to. Kingdoms like consumerism, or, or pride, or prejudice. All of these things that lead to oppression, both for our souls and for others as well. So ask Jesus to be Lord in every area of your life. Let us ask Jesus to be Lord, not only in our words, but in our actions. Lord Jesus, help us to not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your holy scripture that gives us clear indications of, of who you are, 
what you said and did when you walked this earth. Thank you that in you we have forgiveness of sins, that we have release from our oppression to all of the brokenness and sin and evil of this world. So help us to live into that reality. Help us to live as your kingdom citizens that give witness to those realities of freedom and peace and flourishing for all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.